0: It's time once again for The Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Burg.
1: Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. While money is simply energy, a means to an end, it touches practically every area of our lives because of that, it's important to understand its workings. We'll look at that in our thought of the day. And in our interview segment, an expert on money and finances, hugely successful entrepreneur, mentor, and philanthropist, Sharon Lector will share some wisdom on mastering money. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. In his 1910 classic, The Science of Getting Rich, Author Wallace D. Wattles began by discussing why we need money in order to live to our fullest potential. The following might sound a bit counterintuitive, at least at first, but allow me to quote him and then tie together potential and money. First, he wrote, The object of all life is development. Everything that lives has an inalienable right to all the development it is capable of attaining. A person's right to life means his right to have the free and unrestricted—again, hang in for a moment regarding the words free and unrestricted—the free and unrestricted use of all the things which may be necessary to his fullest mental, spiritual, and physical unfolding. No person, Wallace stated, can rise to their greatest possible height in talent or soul development unless they have plenty of money. In order to unfold the soul and to develop talent, they must have many things to use, and they cannot have these things unless they have the money to buy them with. Let's look at this a bit more in depth. Waddles was saying that a good life, a successful, fulfilling life, covers many different areas, and the way society is set up, we need money in order to be able to more fully develop ourselves in those areas. By using money wisely, We'll be able to have what he calls the free and unrestricted use of all things that will help us to do so. This certainly does not mean we get them for free. No, they take money. But if we have the money, then we are free to pursue them. So, when earlier he used the words right to and free and unrestricted use of, he didn't mean that in the sense of an entitlement. He meant that as part of the process of growth, we have the right to utilize everything at our disposal. And to do that, of course, takes money. On the other hand, if we're careless with our money and find ourselves in debt, or if we're not able to earn enough of it to comfortably provide for ourselves and our loved ones, if we're living, as the saying goes, from paycheck to paycheck, and we've all been there, not only are we stressed out, it affects our development in all or most of the important areas of our lives. Physically, it can make us ill with worry. Family-wise, it strains our relationships because money now becomes an issue of debate. Its lack means that now there are different agendas for how this conceptual currency should be used. Socially and charitably, we're not able to do for others as we would like. Emotionally, we're not as happy with ourselves. And spiritually, we're not able to work on ourselves as much as we would like because we're too busy trying to earn more and more money. So money actually affects much more than just our bank accounts. I've also enjoyed what Prosperity Authority Bob Proctor says, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm always amused by those who say money can't buy happiness because it was never supposed to do that. All money does is give you choices. I believe he's right on the mark with that. One suggestion is to make a study of money. Now, I don't mean to become obsessed with it or spend more time than needed on doing this. There are already plenty of people who, as part of their professional livelihoods, such as accountants and financial advisors, make this their focus and, in doing so, provide a great service to us. We can benefit greatly from their knowledge and expertise in this area by acquiring the necessary advice and counsel from them. What I mean is to at least develop an understanding both of how money itself works and, And here's the important thing, how you can utilize your knowledge of money and its workings in order to help you and your loved ones live your lives more fully, completely, and happily. We're about to visit with a woman who is one of the world's foremost experts in this regard. We'll be back with Sharon Lecter right after this. Are you a successful entrepreneur or sales professional, but you know you have the potential for even greater sales success? Reality is, most entrepreneurs, small business owners, and corporate salespeople aren't nearly as successful at selling as they could be. Fortunately, it need not be that way for you. Join me, along with my brilliant business partner and strategist, Kathy Tajanel, for two days in Orlando, Florida, and attend our Go-Giver Sales Academy. GoGiver Sales Academy will help you communicate more value to your customers, reach more people with your exceptional value, sell at full price, become objection proof, and embrace the abundance that's your birthright. You'll work personally with Kathy and me in a small, mastermind like environment. These workshops are limited to only 12 people, so it'll be impactful and transformational. Learn more at GoGiverSalesAcademy.com and see what others are saying. Click the link in the show notes. Remember, money is an echo of value. Sharon Lecter is an entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, international speaker, licensed CPA, and chartered global management accountant. A lifelong education advocate, she's the founder and CEO of Pay Your Family First and chief abundance officer for EBW 2020, an organization dedicated to empowering a billion women by the year 2020. Sharon is the author of 22 books, including Think and Grow Rich for Women and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She's also a fantastic mentor, a mentor to many whom today are the mentors of others. And it was so gratifying to see how loved she is by so many when I spoke at a recent EBW conference in Austin, Texas, hosted by the amazing Ingrid Vanderbilt. Sharon Ingrid and the entire team are doing such fantastic work. You can learn more about Sharon at her website, SharonLector.com. That'll be in the show notes, as well as the link to EBW 2020. Sharon, you're a longtime hero of mine. Welcome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Bob. Likewise. I love you. I love what you do, and we are a mutual admiration society here.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. You know, the first time we met in person was a couple of years ago at the first annual Think and Grow Rich Summit and I think it was, Irvine, California, and you shared with me, and you might not even remember this, uh, you shared your start in corporate life as an accountant, and some of the really overt sexism you faced. How did how did you deal with that? And is that what caused you to become an entrepreneur and control your own destiny, or am I just reading too much into that?
0: Well, we have to dial the clock back a few years. It was, a, I was one of the only women in accounting at the time. I was at the fast pace, one of the big eight accounting firms and growing very quickly and had quite a bit of success. And I remember the day that my managing partner brought me in and Sharon, you've he said, Sharon, you've earned the position Manager, and I'm going to give you the salary, but I can't give you the title because it's going to upset the men oh. who have con- who started with you. Oh. And it was, it was like, and I said, You don't really know me at all. I mean, it's, the money isn't the issue, is i you know, if I've earned the, the position, I were in the position regardless of who I am mm-hmm. and my sex. And it was really interesting because I was only the fourth woman ever hired by this particular firm in the southeast United States. But it was a real daunting um, awakening, and it really was before today's um, issues of, of sexism and sexual discrimination wasn't even a term back right. then, right? Because you know it was so early on, and and we women who started in the field knew that we just had to work a little harder, a lot harder, yeah. in order to get the same recognition. But that was a real wake-up call because I, I still remember that that day specifically. Taught me that I was not in control of my own destiny, mm-hmm. and if I wanted to be in control of my own destiny, I had to make a change.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Now, many people today will recognize your name as the co-author of the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, along with uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. But you actually had a huge global enterprise before that, didn't you?
0: I did. I did. Thank you so much for mentioning it. Yes, you know, as I when I got that entrepreneurial bug biting me, Um, I took off and started building companies and started a woman's magazine in Wisconsin. When we had moved there, I met my husband and we had children and I was really concerned because kids didn't like to read. Mm -hmm. And so in our philanthropic work, we met a very close friend who was the inventor of the first children's talking book. And if you imagine children's books that have the sound strips down the side where you touch it and it makes noise, that was the inventor that was a good friend of ours and oh. so i joined for joined forces with him and we started the entire industry. It was a time when bookstores were very quiet places. And <laughs> right. The little old ladies behind the counter said, get out of here. We don't want noise in our bookstores. So I tell my techie friends that I truly was the first disruptive technology. Mm-hmm. But we took that uh, that industry from, I think, our first year, we made a million, which was exciting. The next year was 9 million, then 23 million. And we were on our way to 52 million when we sold the company in its fourth year. So wow. it really was. and. and and this is the kind of thing that my husband and I teach when we talk to entrepreneurs, is understanding the power of collaboration, the power of associating with strong brands. Mm-hmm. We had this new technology and yet we, you know, we said, well, how will people trust us? So we did deals and we wrote license agreements with Walt Disney World, with, um, with Sesame Street, with Warner Brothers, so that people who trusted those brands saw something new and exciting with those brands. And so it helped us launch our company.
1: What a wonderful lesson. Thank you for sharing that. Now you are, uh, and I know you're dedicated to financial education for entrepreneurs and really with a concentration on families, teens, women, uh, of course, the, the principles apply to everyone. But in a in a recent article of yours I read, and it was a wonderful article, uh, we have a link to that in the show notes, so I hope everyone will go there and uh, click on that and read the article. You began, though, Sharon, with something very counterintuitive. Your focus was spending as opposed to budgeting, which is usually what you what you read, the first thing you read with something like this. So please tell us more.
0: Money is so much about our mindset, Bob. In fact, I, if I ask your listeners, think about when you were a child, what did you hear your parents say about money? They said things like, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, we can't afford it. We need to pinch our pennies. Who do you think we are, you know, the Rockefellers? That's more my gener- my generation than the younger generation. But um, all of those things have one thing in common: they're negative. So as a child, we hear money negative, money negative, and so we get this emotional response to money, mm-hmm. this fear. So we're never going to have enough. And then when we're successful, we're afraid we're going to lose it. And as part of that, you know, my whole my whole educational platform is to really changing the mindset about money. And and instead of becoming, at the end of the day, Bob, we're either a master of our money or a slave to it. Right. And we have way too many people who are slaves to their money. And once you are so heavily in debt, your life is consumed by that debt. And so we want to empower people to get out of debt and be able to choose good debt over bad debt. But when we talk about budgeting, Most people see that as a restriction. Budgeting is a negative connotation. Just the word Mm -hmm. is negative. Mm -hmm. And the whole concept of budgeting is planning your spending. Well, everybody loves to spend. And so I say, let's get rid of the word budget. And let's say we're going to create a spending plan. And so when we want this spending plan, if our resources can't cover our spending land, plan, then we need to either reduce our spending or increase, increase our revenue right but it's like let's look at it from the eye of abundance I love as it. opposed to the eye of scarcity
1: I love it what a great reframe for people okay so let's say and' I'm, I'm just looking at some of the people that who, who you uh, who you're reaching out to let's say a teen in this case so what do you say to a 14 15 16 year old maybe they have a part-time job In fact, let's go with that one. What do you tell that person first?
0: Well, the first thing is if they have a job, then they already are learning things about time management. They're learning about, um, they, they get that first shock when they get their first paycheck and the amount of taxes exactly. that taken out of right. it. And so it's a fantastic learning and teaching moment, a learning opportunity. But it's also, you know, they're just getting into the point of having disposable revenue of their own. So it's a great time to start saying, let's reserve a piece of that. For instance, when I was growing up, my parents, they had one rule, half of what you make goes into your savings account. You can do whatever you want to with the other half, as long as you have a piece for charity. And so when I graduated from college, Bob, I had $22,000 in the bank mm. to help me launch my career, mm. all from part-time jobs. And so wow. it, it instills that saving mentality that serves us well for our entire life. Plus your ch- the child, the teen still has disposable income. It's just not all gone so that they have a piece to sit back on but the more important issue for Mm teens is the impact of their decision making Uh and the impact of their and they need to understand that they are in control of the decisions they make and so many of us are so so consumed with fear or fear of criticism, we want to we want to look good. We don't want people to think any less of us. So we make decisions based on others' opinions instead of our own. Right. And so um, I have a, a board game called Thrive Time for Teens, and it was created as a life and money reality game, and it teaches teens that the decisions they make every day either drive them to success or dive them into debt. And those decisions are not just related to money, but it's also related to behavior. Mm -hmm. And the sooner our young people can understand that they are the CEO of their own life, they are in control of the decisions they make. Yes, there are circumstances that surround us that certainly may limit our options, but we have the opportunity to make decisions to propel ourselves in a positive direction. And the sooner our children get that kind of mindset versus one of entitlement, the more successful they will be.
1: Now, with the families themselves, and because with a teen, you have a a little bit more of a fresh mind to work with. Of course, they've already been... I don't want to say infected with, but you know some of those negative, uh, maybe some of the negative uh, memes from their from their parents, uh, you know, belief systems about money. But they're but at fourteen, fifteen, their their mind is a little bit more open. Uh, with the families, how does it work with that? Is there resistance? from the parents when they maybe know that what they're doing isn't working right. Uh, They hear about you and your methodologies. And one of the things you're saying maybe is, hey, not only do you need to change your mindset, but it's going to be dependent on you for the next couple of generations and helping them, your kids, change their mindset. Is there more of a resistance with the parents or is that not really an issue?
0: Well, absolutely. Um, The resistance is they don't want their children to know that they've screwed up Ah, when it comes to money. It's ah. not a resistance of not telling them, but it's more of I don't want my kids to realize the bad financial situation. And that's one of the reasons I actually created that game, Thrive Time for Teens, because it's a safe environment. And it's fantastic when you see the parents and the kids work together playing it. And when I play it with teens, many times they'll say, my parents need to play this game. But it, it creates that safe environment to learn elements about money. And then the parents can start applying it in their own lives as well. At the end of the day, Bob we still don't teach our children about money so e- even those of us in our age we did not get taught about money in school we're still not teaching our children about money in school mm-hmm. we're trying to change that i got the law changed in arizona but we you know it's a long road and so they our children learn about money at home and as a parent if you've made financial choices that were not the best those financial choices were witnessed by your children. And so if you, if you want your children to have a head start in life, a financial jump start, then bring in the materials to educate yourself and them so that they can start making better choices. And it really is up to us as adults, as parents, grandparents, as aunts, uncles, just as concerned adults to make sure these young people have the resources available for them to start making the right decisions.
1: Excellent, and by the way, we'll we'll link to uh, the game Thrive Time for Teens in the uh, show notes as well. Um, you also have a podcast, Your Money, Your Business, Your Life. I'd imagine you've had some interesting chats there, and I would imagine that would be a good tool in and of itself for people to uh, to plug into just to learn.
0: Absolutely. We, have, we cover all kinds of topics from um, your business. We talk about credit. We talk about all kinds of things. And I'm excited, Bob, that you've agreed we're going to have you as a guest on our, our podcast as well. So yes, and it's totally free. You can go up to Sharonlector.com forward slash podcast or to I- iTunes, your money, your business, your life. It's just a way for me to continue sharing and interviewing people to provide the kind of information people need to take control of their financial lives.
1: Okay, now I would like to ask you about EBW 2020. Again, that stands for Empowering a Billion Women by the Year 2020, as well as the other mentoring you do. Tell us about about EBW.
0: Well, absolutely. Now, Ingrid Vanderbilt, who you know and love as oh, well as I, love her, um, had been. A- entrepreneur in residence at Dell Computers. And she and I met years ago at Thunderbird University when we were teaching women entrepreneurs from Haiti. And we kind of like just were two magnets who attracted each other at the event. And so we have been keeping in contact. In fact, I highlight her. She's in the book, Thinking Rich for Women. And she came to me a little over a year ago and said, I really want to to offer the kinds of financial education the financial literacy tools that you provide to the women around the world. And, you know, I am a teacher of collaboration, not competition. And so EBW 2020 stands for Empowering a Billion Women by 2020. But it is a group of women, and Ingrid is the founder, but myself, Lisa Copeland, who's one of the top women in automotive. Oh,
1: she's fantastic. I'm getting her book, and uh, I'm going to interview her too. Ex- She is amazing, isn't she?
0: She, She's a dynamo. So we've come together and said, collectively, we can bring the resources and the education to truly support women in growing, starting, growing, and scaling their businesses globally. And so it's an exciting time. We're doing it as as an initiative to give women the tools. And it's not just... um, seminars and webinars we actually have financial tools analytic tools to help Mm -hmm. you analyze your business help you steer it in the right direction and then as the the philanthropic piece of it is as we continue growing um, EBW 2020, we're going to be using our resources to reach out to third world countries mm-hmm. to support women entrepreneurs there, there as well. So oh. it is a huge initiative and it is free to join. You can visit EBW 2020 and the resources there are very affordable. We want to teach you um, the elements you need. We have a money school that I created that's 26 segments that teaches you the basics of personal finance, how to to get your business up and running, how to finance it, how to grow it, how to scale it, how to become a woman certified business. Um, all of these resources are there to support every woman entrepreneur from where you are to where you want to go. Mm,
1: and that will all be in the show notes and just just so very worthwhile. Can't say enough about it. And and you can learn more about Sharon at her website, Sharonlector.com. That'll be in the show notes as well as the link to EBW 2020. Thank you, Sharon. Wishing you the best of continued success. You're you're just so amazing.
0: Well thank you, Bob. It's an honor to be on your show and I look forward to continued collaborations with you.
1: The big lesson I learned from Sharon is that when it comes to our finances, when it comes to money in general, we must be in control. And that does not happen without awareness and without a plan. How do you do in this regard? Do you know where your money is going? Are you your money's master or your money's servant? The answer is critical. Please feel free to write me at bob at berg.com and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, The Go-Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit TheGoGiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And while you're there, check out John David Mann's and my newest book, The GoGiver giver Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit TheGoGiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The GoGiver giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Byrne. Make it a great day.